Brothers and sisters, uh, this morning we are, uh, as I mentioned, looking at the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ into heaven and, and why that matters for us. Um, there, there are several, of course, very key events in the history of Jesus' life on earth. Uh, of course, his birth, which we celebrate every Christmas, is a very key event. But then also, so is Epiphany when he is revealed, uh, and then too, when we come to uh, his ministry, we, we watch through his ministry, and then we journey to Holy Week where we uh, start to contemplate and think about uh, the reality of his coming sacrifice on Good Friday, Good Friday where he sacrifices himself for us out of love. And then, of course, Easter, which is incredibly important because if Jesus just sacrificed himself for love, for love of us and died and did not rise again, then his death would have been, in some senses, uh, vain. It would have been unimportant. It would have been a nice gesture, but not really particularly effective. But yet Christ does rise from the dead. And so Easter is incredibly important. And then we spend some time in journeying with Jesus and the apostles in the days after his resurrection. And then we come to Ascension Day, which is where we are today. And so I would invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. You can follow along, of course, on the screen or pull out your pew Bibles or your own. Bible if you brought it with you. Um, <clears throat> this, of course, is, uh, there's a lot among theologians and <clears throat> Bible scholars and so on. Uh, it, it is sometimes thought that Luke and Acts should really be kind of one book, right? And, and in a way, they are. They're Luke, which is part one, and Acts, which is part two. Um, they're both written by the doctor, Luke. Um, who, uh, who is writing these books to Theophilus, somebody named Theophilus, um, who is, as far as we can tell, either uh, he is a, a Greek person who has been converted to Judaism uh, and then who is receiving the gospel message from Luke, or perhaps he was, uh, as, as it were, a Hellenized Jew, which would mean that he was a Jewish person who was raised in Greek culture and Greek thought um, and was given, obviously, a fairly Greek name. Either way, uh, Luke shares the gospel with him through the whole book of Luke and then continues on in Acts. So let us hear what Luke has to say to us and to Theophilus. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions to, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. 
For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, there are things that we need to touch on because this passage is so very important for us. I feel like I say that almost every week, but it's true. It's really, really important. Uh, the first thing that we need to notice beyond that context of Theophilus and so on, the first thing that we need to notice is that, that Luke says, I wrote all about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Think about that for a moment. Right? Think about that for a moment. If Luke was going to say, um, if Luke was going to say, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus taught and all that he did until the day he was taken up to heaven, that would make a lot more sense. Right? Because presumably, when Jesus lived his life on earth, he did all of his teaching and all of his doing, and then he ascended into heaven, and that's it, right? We're done. We don't get any more teaching from Jesus. We don't get any more doing from Jesus, right? Wrong. very intentionally chosen. Luke says, all that Jesus began to do and teach. Why? Because even after he ascended into heaven, he's not done. He's continuing on. He's teaching us more. He's doing more. And of course, the things that he teaches us now do not contradict the things that he taught us before. No, no, no. They only build and deepen and widen and make richer and more profound and the things that he does affect the whole world right and every single person living on this world so this is very great it's very intentional very important i wrote about all that jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And then he's going to 
unpack that a little bit, right? So he goes back in time and he says, after his suffering, Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he is alive. Why, do, why does that matter? Well, because we already know that the people of Jesus' day, the apostles themselves, the disciples, they, they believed in the spirit world. They believed but they often were thinking about these things in terms of ghosts and spirits and all kinds of other weird and creepy things. Remember way back in, in the time of Saul, when Saul goes to consult the necromancer to raise Samuel uh, from the dead, or at least a, a ghost of Samuel, to give him advice about what he should do. You remember that story? If you don't remember that story, you should look it up. As in... And uh, uh, right, so they knew about the spirit world. Remember, too, when Jesus walks out to them on the water when they are in the storm tossed seas, they at first think that Jesus is a ghost coming to them. But Jesus is not a ghost here after he rises from the dead. If he was just a ghost, well, that wouldn't be much of a rising from the dead. Remember how we talked about a, a, a few weeks about, uh, ago about how Jesus did not cheat death. Right? Jesus did not cheat death. He's not like some evil villain who found some complicated spell that would allow him to, to get away with not dying or come back from the dead. He's not some diseased zombie that comes back from the dead. Often zombies show up in my sermons. <laughs> That's not what Jesus did. He's not someone who cheated death. Right? But also, he is not still dead because a ghost is dead. A ghost is dead. That's what they are. They're dead and they're weird spirits that go around. <laughs> That's my best <laughs> imitation of a ghost, right? Uh, but that's not Jesus. He's not a ghost. Because if he was a ghost, then he didn't conquer death, and he's not alive, and then what hope do we have? He's just dead. Nice gesture, but you're dead. But that's not true. Because he's not dead. He's alive. And so he gave them convincing proofs. What kinds of convincing proofs? Anybody remember some of the proofs that Jesus gave to his followers? Yes, Aaron? The holes in his hands and in his side. Right? Remember poor Thomas, we we treat him so badly often, right? Doubting Thomas, poor guy. I would be doubting too, right? But but Jesus appears and he wasn't there, and so he talks with the disciples about this. Thomas later on finds out about it. He says, Well, unless I see the scars and put my hands in those scars, I won't believe it. And so Jesus shows up the next time and says, Touch. See. It's real. It's true. I'm alive. And I'm not some ghost. Flesh. What else? He ate. He ate bread. He ate fish. He ate with them on numerous occasions. He ate with... Uh, he, he walked with the apostles on the road to... Or with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He ate. We just read in this... In, Story here. He ate with the disciples on the 
shore of the Sea of Galilee when he 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 also did some other pretty amazing things like appearing uh, rather uh, significantly through through walls, going through walls, appearing uh, when doors were locked and so on. So he proved that he was alive, but not only was he alive, he was alive and something was new about him. Something was glorified and beautiful and wonderful and powerful beyond even that which he had had as walking on this earth. All right, so Jesus is alive and that matters. He didn't cheat death. He's not a ghost. It matters, right? And not only that, but he only began to do his teaching and his doing. He's not done that. It's still going on. There is lots and lots that he still continues to teach us. Right? Next, we go on. He gives this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is, of course, alluding to the upcoming Pentecost, which is another one of those incredibly significant days in in, in sort of the church calendar in which we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And, And why? Why is it important that the Holy Spirit comes? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. First of all, you'll receive that power. And you will be, because of that power that the Holy Spirit has given you, which Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And why is that important? Because, because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. We wouldn't be Christ followers. We wouldn't be Christians because if the Holy Spirit didn't come, then the apostles would not finally understand the gospel message and they would not have the power to share in the way that they needed to. And they would not have the, the ambition, the, the, the push to go out and share that gospel everywhere they needed to share it. All over the world. And of course, it matters too because the apostles are not the only ones who received the Holy Spirit. Who else received the Holy Spirit? All of us, right? No. All of us. Which is important for us. Because, as we talked about before, right? Remember when we talked about the New Jerusalem? That, that we are, in some very real ways, the New Jerusalem. The church is that bride, right? We are the New Jerusalem. We are the ones who in a sense have the throne room of God inside of us. We are the ones who are giving the life-giving water of the, the, the river of life to the world. We are the ones who are giving the, the fruit of the tree of, the, of life for the healing of the nation. We talked about that last week. Right? That is, that is part of what we are called to do. And in a like manner right here, Jesus is saying, look, when the 
Holy Spirit comes upon you, who you, 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 my disciples, you, my apostles, but also all of the believers, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of so, in, in some church traditions, you know, when the preacher's really going or whatever, he'll say, can I get a witness, right? And then, then they say, amen, or praise Jesus, or hallelujah. It's okay, I know you're, a lot of you are, are Dutch and Christian Reformed, and that's just like way out of your wheelhouse. And that's okay. But when the preacher says, can I get a witness, the reality is, is that everybody should say, amen. Because that's who we are. We're witnesses to the gospel. Now, do we have any of our police folk here this morning? None of They're all at work serving the community. Hmm. Well, that's good. But, <laughs> that being said, witnesses have some important qualifications they need to have. What are some qualifications of a witness? <laughs> Amen, sister. Right? You have to actually have seen the incident, the, the whatever happened. You can't be a witness to something you didn't see. You can't be a witness to something you didn't participate in or weren't there for or didn't hear or, or I suppose smell, although I'm not sure that you can be a smell witness, but whatever, right? You have to have experience in some sense whatever it is that you are going to witness to. And so when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, and Jesus says that he's going to give us the Holy Spirit, and we hear in the Spirit that the Holy Spirit is given to all of us, all of us are given a great commission to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we are to be those witnesses. Then that means that we must have witnessed the gospel. We must have seen it with our own eyes. Now, I don't know about you. I think this is true. I am not more than 2,000 years old. Anybody? Greg Holcroft, you look like you're about two, <laughs> two, two, 2K years old, right? Yeah? No. As far as I know, <laughs> love you, Greg. Well, welcome to our church. Nice to have you visiting. <laughs> right? None of us are 2,000 years old. So what is Jesus talking about? Well, a couple of weeks ago when the youth came back from voluntary youth convention and they shared, a couple of them shared a little bit about what they had experienced. What they had experienced was a little bit of the gospel or a lot of the gospel. And so they were witnesses. And what about you? Where have you seen the gospel? <laughs> A friend and colleague of mine, uh, we were talking the other day, and I was, he, 
he shared quite quite vulnerably that that he faced a lot of insecurities in it. Okay. You know, you have nothing to tell me some more about that. I said, look, the reality is that you are who God says you are. And God says that you were you were thought of before the foundation of the world. And that you were knit together in your mother's womb. And that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God planned in advance all kinds of good things for you to do. And then, yes, 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 you did and do still make some terrible choices. And so that's not at all great. But that's not the end. Because Jesus comes and he washes you clean. That's not the end because not only does Jesus wash you clean through His sacrifice on the cross, but also Jesus sends His Holy Spirit to live in you and to work on you and with you and sometimes in spite of you. And, and, and not only that, but God in His power and wisdom is both able to see the things that need working on but also God you as the beautiful, pure, spotless child of God that you are because of what Jesus has done for you. And so really there are only four types of people or four types of beings that can speak about who you are in this world. There's you. You can speak about you to you. And there's Satan, of course. Satan can speak to you about you and there's other people of course they can speak to you about you and there's God and of those four groups of people or beings who's reliable God amen right God's the only one who's reliable out of those four groups of people and so if God says that you were lost but now you're found if God says you were soaked in sin and blood, but now you are washed by the blood of the Lamb, then that's what you are. And so you and I, we have all seen the Gospel by being human and by receiving the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And so what are we? We're witnesses. We're witnesses in Athens and Leeds and Grenville and Ontario and the ends of the earth. Now this is not the only thing that matters, of course. I mean, it is very important. But we're also, it's important that we witness to something, right? Because what are the disciples seeing when they are declared to be witnesses? What are they about to see? What's going to happen? The ascension. Jesus is ascending into heaven. And so that is part of what they witness. And why does that matter? 
right? Why does it matter that Jesus ascend? I mean, he already conquered sin and death. That's cool. That's amazing. That's incredible. But it matters as well that he ascends into heaven. Why? Why does that matter? Well, it matters because, because of two things. First of all, kings and holy people ascend. Kings and holy people ascend. Where, uh, sorry, I'm asking you a lot of questions this morning, and I don't mean to be unfair. Of the city of Jerusalem, I don't know how familiar you, familiar you are with its geography, but if you think of the, the city of Jerusalem, and you think of the, the Dome of the Rock, right? This is the, the, the temple, uh, the, the Muslim temple that is basically on the location of where the temple, the, the Jewish temple, used to be in, in the days of, of, of Saul, uh, Solomon and 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 the days of the restoration and so on and so forth. And that temple is already on a high place within the city of Jerusalem. But not only that, the city of Jerusalem is on a high place around the surrounding countryside. And, and so when the people of Israel talked about going to the temple, they would talk about ascending to the temple. They would talk about ascending to go to praise. That's why when you read the Psalms, you see a lot of Psalms are songs of ascent. Psalms of ascent. Those are the songs that people would sing or think about or, or pray or whatever as they are going up to, literally, to Jerusalem and to the temple to worship God. Listen to Psalm 47, which is our other passage for today, and we can put it up on the screen perhaps. Clap your hands, oh sorry, for the director of music of the sons of Korah, a psalm. And, and it's a psalm of a sense as well, right? Clap your hands, all you nations, shout to God, all you nations, excuse me, I'm repeating myself. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, people under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us. The pride of Jacob, whom he loved, God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid sounding of trumpets, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises, for God is the King of all the earth, sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations, God is seated on His holy throne, the nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham, for the King of the earth belong, the kings of the earth belong to God, He is greatly exalted. The word of the Lord again. Amen. This is one of those prophetic psalms. One of those psalms that, that not only has a, a meaning for the people of Israel right when it was written, when the sons of Korah wrote this psalm, but also one that has meaning for us as we look at the Messiah. Right? When, when we read, God has ascended amid shouts of joy, who else could that be talking about? Out except for Jesus. For the reality is, is that God 
has always been in his heavenly realms. And, and so has Jesus, except that also when Jesus rises from the dead and appears his apostles, his disciples, and then he ascends into heaven, then God in Jesus Christ ascends as well. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. And see, this is part one of why, don't worry, it's not going to be that long. Uh, this is part one of why that ascension is important. It is important because not only has, has God in Jesus Christ conquered sin and death, not only has he adopted us as his sons and daughters, not only is he going to send us the Holy Spirit, but also he has become, through his victory, the king not only the Lord, in death, the one who has conquered it, but he has become the king of this earth, of this world, of this creation. He is the king. He ascends to heaven as the Lord. And so not only are we witnesses to all of the salvation that we have talked about, but we are also witness to his divine authority and kingship. We don't serve a prime minister in Ottawa or a president in Washington or any other capital of this world, we serve a king in heaven. And we come as ambassadors and witnesses of the king. And of course, the second part of the importance of the ascension is that he will return. He is not just an absentee landlord who is watching over the slums of earth from afar. No, 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 no. He has a revitalization plan. Quick, quick little story. Are you familiar with what used to be called Regent Park, Toronto? I don't know if they call it that anymore. Way back in the or so. Regent Park was a neighborhood that was carved out of the heart of Toronto as a model, a model for how to deal with people who were down on their luck. The poor, the immigrants, and so on. But they made some terrible mistakes in planning it. It, it, was, it was people all over the world, experts from countries all over the world, came to Regent Park and said, ooh, ah, fancy, wonderful. Right? Except they made some mistakes. They made some terrible mistakes. They didn't put any schools anywhere in the neighborhood. They put no businesses anywhere in the neighborhood. They put no, no, no community centers, no, no, no access even really to a whole lot of the services of the, of the city. And so Regent Park ended up being this neighborhood of blocks of really, really poor people who didn't have mobility because they couldn't afford cars didn't have education services in the community, and they didn't have cultural centers or churches or anything in the community. They had to leave the community for everything that they needed. And so there were these horrible things that happened. Tax cabs would go in, and they would charge extra money because they knew they couldn't get out for any, they couldn't get out any other way. And then 
it, you could study. You could study the grocery stores around there, and the grocery stores that were the most expensive in Toronto were the ones closest to Regent Park. Why? Because they could. Because they had them over a barrel. And, and, and the, there was no mixed living. There wasn't, you know, you know, richer people and poorer people living together. It just ghettoized the whole community. It was a disaster. And for years, the city and the province and the nation were landlords allowing this rot to sit in the middle of Toronto. But a plan did come along. And they tore Regent Park down. And they built mixed income housing. And they included schools. And they included businesses. And they included recreation facilities. And they included churches. And, and Regent Park, if they call it that, or I don't know, it's a whole different place. This is what our God is like, except so. It's not just out there, far away, allowing the city to rot. No, no. He is king. And he is actively preparing that new place for us. So why does Ascension Day matter? So many reasons. But most of all, it matters for us. Because we are witnesses to all of this. So brothers and sisters, let us clap our hands. Let us praise our God. For He is awesome and King over all the earth. Let us sing praises to Him for He has ascended amid shouts of joy, amid the sounding of trumpets. Let us sing praises, for He is King of all the earth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much, O oh God, that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, that He walked and talked and began to teach and do among us. And, and Lord, that he, he, he sacrificed Himself for us and that He conquered sin and death and He rose from the and he showed us that he didn't cheat death, but he conquered death and he conquered sin. And then, oh Lord, thank you so much that he ascended into heaven and he has sent your Holy Spirit to live within us and that he is coming again, oh God, king over all the earth even now. Oh Lord, help us in our witness May we begin more and more to do and teach the things that you have taught and done. And may we be your witnesses. Not just in a theoretical sense, but with our hands and our feet and our mouths in this world. May we proclaim the good news of our every day. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.